Good afternoon, America, and welcome to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us. We have a special guest on today. Um, You know, we talk about uh, education being a fundamental right, uh, and it's really the, the rights of parents to decide, to dictate what that education should look like. Uh, th- this whole idea of, of parental rights and, and parents deciding on education is rooted in our founding. It, it, you know, it, it was it, it was homeschools that uh, fueled the the education of our founding fathers, and, and we've spent a lot of time talking about this. Uh, and, and today we have a special guest. Uh, his name is Don Mayer. He is a, a retired school principal, and he he talks about. Uh, this idea of, of kingdom education. And, uh, you know, Don, when I, when, when, well, first of all, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. It's when, a pleasure to be here. Thank you. When, when I hear you talk about about kingdom education, uh, it, it it just comes across so naturally. And, and I don't know, the, kingdom education is not a term that I use here at least on this show often. Matter of fact, I don't know that I've ever said the term here, kingdom education. Personally, I believe it. And it's the education that I, I think is the foundation of my school. Uh, although I've, I, I, I've, I've never uttered the words on air, kingdom education. Uh, you know, so for those of us that are maybe hearing this for the very first time, uh, would, would you d- describe it? How would you define a a kingdom education and 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 what that looks like. Yeah, the the biggest difference is the involvement of the Holy Spirit, the involvement of of Jesus in in the process in in the education process. Um, I used to feel like I was the only school in the world that was kind of pursuing God in the way that that we were in in my school when it first started. Um, and then I ran into a couple people um, back in the Midwest and on the East Coast, and I was like elated to to find somebody that was really going after getting kids to know God, not just giving them religious answers, not just giving them rote things to do, and and it really was um, getting kids to connect with God on a, on their own personal level, and. Because that's that is really the goal of of true Christianity is that that we um, we want everyone to have a, a personal living relationship with God, where they know and hear His voice and and respond and and go after supernatural things like praying for the sick and those kind of things, um, and it, it's all just a normal part of life. And you know, I I raised my kids in the church. And I realized that I was raising my kids to be religious. Mm. I think the thing that I'll just go off on a little rabbit trail here for a minute. The thing that 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 shocked me was when my son, who's now forty three years old, when he was when he was a like a junior in high school, we were having an argument. You know, because you argue with your kids. You know, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> anyway. We were arguing and and he just looked at me and said, Dad, I never want to be like you. 
your life is miserable. I don't want to have, I don't want to have a thing to do with your God. I don't want to have a thing to do with anything. And, and here I was, I thought I was living my life to mentor him and raise him up in faith. Right. And, and as I, as I really sought the Lord on what's going on with that, I realized all I was doing was judging his behavior. And I was never sitting down and talking with him and asking him, what's your relationship with God like? What do you hear God saying? What what, what do you think God wants you to do? You know, there was, there was nothing personal about it. And he just felt judged. Mm-hmm. And who wants, who wants to live judged their whole life? Right. And it was at that moment that, that a big shift came in my life. And I, and I, um, there's a guy that was a great mentor to me, Danny Silk. He has a um, an organization called Loving on Purpose. If you could look that up at some point, anybody that would be interested, really shifting how we love our kids into to knowing God. We love our kids into into um, training and educating them rather than controlling them. And it wasn't long after that 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 I was invited to become the principal at, of the school that I was at that I spent 25 years there and, and it was a journey of learning how to raise kids in love and not command and control. Mm-hmm. Now you, so, you, yeah, you were ahead. the principal at uh, Bethel Christian, right? Is that, yeah, was that Bethel, Bethel church in Redding, California? Mm-hmm. I was principal there. We had a, a preschool through eighth grade school and, and I managed it for 25 years. Mm-hmm. The school had been going for nine years before I came and um, it was it was a, an amazingly interesting learning curve to um, to learn how to manage kids in a way that you're inviting them to come with you rather than forcing them to come with you. Now you um, you talk about something here that you refer to as heart issues, not rules, right? Uh, and and it. it you know, when, when you talked about, about your son not wanting to be judged and, and you and him having this conversation, it it reminded me of, of, of that phrase. It you know, you know, finding what, what's happening in, in the heart of the child uh versus the child following, you know, maybe a a list of rules in order to act a certain way. Can can you dive into that? Yeah. We we spent a lot of time in the at the beginning of each school year and every classroom talking about how do you want to be treated when you're in your classroom and we would ask the students um what what do you expect how do you expect the teacher to talk to you how do you expect your classmates to talk to you and it's amazing even little kindergartners they they know what they need they know what they want and and the teachers would spend a good part of a day just coming up with what what are like the ethics of the classroom and and it it comes it boils down to like a list of words that in this classroom you you'll be listened to you'll have a voice people will be kind but the the children all develop this list of words and then once everybody agrees that this is this is how we would want to be uh, managed and this is how I want to manage myself then everybody signs this little document and it becomes the 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 social agreement or the ethical agreement for for what's going on in the class it's like the mayflower compact a little bit yeah <laughs> and so you don't need a 
you know, that you will come to class on time, that you will bring a pencil, that you will sit quietly in your seat. You don't need those kind of rules because if you're not doing things, the teacher just needs to walk over and quietly go, um, is there something that you're not doing about our list of ethics? And it's the list that the students came up with. Right. Right. This was, this was almost right. their idea, right? And it's like, okay, maybe the student's talking while the teacher's talking. You don't have to have that that rule that no talking while the teacher's talking because the child needs knows that, oh, I'm not listening. I'm not showing respect. And those are all things we said we would listen and we said we'd show respect. But the teacher also has to participate in that as well. And that's that's where some teachers kind of, they, they had to be trained. It was difficult for them. And um, we had we had one eighth grade teacher who, um, she'd been in education her whole life. And she was really staunch and stern. And she was, uh, she's some people are rule people. She was a rule person. You know, if the dress code says you you wear this, you wear it. And, mm-hmm. and. Um, because she was the eighth grade teacher, everybody knew her. Everybody was a little bit of afraid of her because she was the one who'd call out something you were doing wrong in the hallway or whatever it happened to be. Mm-hmm. And so kids were apprehensive about having her. But what they found out is that she was the most fair person in the school. Mm-hmm. And she owned her mistakes. Mm-hmm. If she if she called somebody on something and realized it was a mistake, she would apologize in front of the whole class. Mm-hmm. And she ended up becoming their favorite teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd always do a survey and, and she was like by, there was a kindergarten teacher and her between those two, they were considered the most, uh, the most favorite teachers in the entire school. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was just amazing to watch because she was so fair and so honest and and she treated everybody exactly the same and she lived by the school at the classroom ethics it was she lived it and she walked it out and how important do you do you think it is for teachers to own their own mistakes oh i i think it's essential i i don't think you can teach and not do it i mean we're trying to teach there, there's a verse that Bill Johnson mentioned to me. He's the senior pastor of Bethel Church. When he hired me, he said, look at Luke 640. And it says, when a disciple's perfectly trained, they become like their teacher. Mm. And so that stuck with me the, the whole time I was in the school. I was always looking for teachers that I wanted the kids to be like. Mm. Because so, when they get trained, they become like that person. So you... I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, go ahead. Even when you're going through the hiring process, you're thinking about Luke 640. Yeah. Yeah. Who's who is this person and how are they going to impact these because like the kids are going to be like them. When I when I train teachers, I say be careful because the kids are going to do exactly what you do. And so if you're rude or unkind to somebody, they might not be rude or unkind to you because that's that's a little scary, but they'll be rude and kind, unkind to each other because they got permission from their teacher to do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so you have to be an authentic person and and nobody's perfect. Right. So when you make those mistakes, you have to walk it out in front of them. But then they become like you and they walk it out as well they learn that making a mistake in the classroom is a safe thing to do because we're going to fix it. It's not just going to come down as a, as a horrible punishment. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to give you a chance to take care of that and and clean it up and and make sure it's right rather than you're just going to get a punishment right now uh when we first started this this conversation here a few minutes ago uh, you know, I'm from a Christian school. I run a Christian school. You are retired from a Christian school. And we're talking about having the Holy Spirit in the classroom, having right. Christ in the classroom. But, uh, you know, really when we get to the to, to the meat of it, hard issues, you know, uh, not rules, um, owning our own mistakes, uh, this whole idea of a kingdom education, it, it just doesn't need to happen in a Christian school. Am I right? No, no, it doesn't. It, it's a, it's a, an excellent homeschool. Um, it's a way to run homeschool. Um, you'd be surprised how well your kids will do when you start listening to them. Another thing about this is giving kids choices. Uh, we, we won't get into a lot of deal, details about that, but nobody likes to be told every step of their life. Kids, so kids need choices as they go forward. You just have to control their choices because you can't let them just run free. Anyway, I, I feel like I'm running off on a side side no, tangent. No, that's fine. You're okay. You can run with it. But but um, there are public school teachers that use these methods in their classroom, and um, there, I have a friend who's now retired, and she she was in such a progressive liberal school district mm -hmm. up in the northwest. Mm -hmm. That she got reprimanded because she wore a Santa Claus sweatshirt at Christmas time, because mm -hmm. Santa Claus was too religious. Wow! Wow! So that's that's the kind of school district she was in. Uh -huh. But and she'd been teaching for years, and she really began to tap into hearing the voice of God, mm -hmm. hearing that that God can tell you about people. That is, it's termed the prophetic, but mm -hmm. where where people you can tap into God and you can hear things about people, and and she just would spend every morning praying over her classroom. Mm -hmm. She would she got worship music. She would play that worship music, but it was without any words. So so if anybody walked in, they didn't know what was going on. But she would worship and pray in her classroom, and she would ask the Holy Spirit, "Tell me about these kids." Tell me about these kids. Mm -hmm. And she had like her last year of teaching, she had a little girl that was so distraught that she'd plucked all of her eyebrows out. A lot of her hair was gone. She was a second grader, but she wasn't even really reading yet. And through God speaking to, to this teacher about this little girl, she was able to help get this girl to calm down, mm -hmm. know that she was cared about, that school was a safe place. Mm -hmm. And she got that little girl up on grade level, reading mm -hmm. second grade level by the end of the year. Wow. But she says she couldn't have done it if she hadn't had the insights of the Holy Spirit on what does that child need. And, and that's really when you start talking about kingdom education, it is really, are you asking God, what does this child need? Because everybody's different. We try to do cookie cutter. We try to make it like an assembly line education. And um, it doesn't work that way. Well, he didn't create us that way, did he? No, he didn't. No. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all unique. Uh, we're our own individuals. So it makes sense to hear you talk about, you know, education being unique. But it's important for us to, to be listening. Right. Um, yeah. You know, here we we, we talk about I um I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with Alex Newman and he uh of course he runs 
public school exit. And, and, and he's adamant about, you know, let's get out of the public school. And the, the more news I look at personally, the, the more I, I fall into that camp that, you know, the, the building is burning and you got to get your kids out. Um, but you're describing almost something uh, that uh, Alex Newman referred to when he said, okay, that the building's burning and you've got your kids out, but are you going to leave the other kids in there? And, and if we have, you know, teachers that are still in public schools that are willing to take the time and, and listen to God and and really turn their classroom into a kingdom education classroom, you're saying this is possible. This is doable. Oh, it is. It's, it's very possible. It's um, it's covert. But yeah. um, but, you know. Jesus is speaking all the time, and if you're hearing his voice, then you're going to know what these kids need. And um, we we need more teachers like that in the public schools. It's it's a battle. Um, it it is it it's a, it's a huge battle. And if we just run out of the schools and leave everybody behind, what's going to happen to those kids that aren't in a Christian home that don't have parents that can afford or think they know how to homeschool? Um, so we do need to somehow rescue the system, but um, it it is going to um, take releasing people into the into the into the system that know how to carry the kingdom of God. That is that is big. Yeah, uh, you know, having you know just that that phrase alone, knowing how to carry the kingdom of God, uh, that's kind of heavy. How do you know how to carry the kingdom of God? <laughs> well, fortunately, it's not your responsibility. It's, it's oh, the right. <laughs> but, you know, Jesus said he came, he talked so much about he came to bring the kingdom. And he said the kingdom is at hand. We, we've kind of boiled down knowing Jesus to getting saved and then waiting to go to heaven. Mm. And and Jesus said, no, the kingdom is at hand. My kingdom is here. And so that's why we use the term kingdom education, because it is like, um, you know, when he told, when he asked us how to, when well, the apostles asked Jesus how to pray, he said that, that we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Right. And so, so that is really our approach is, okay, what would be a heaven model? What would be a heaven way of talking to kids, heaven way of, of, of dealing with problems, heaven way of approaching educational problems and and we're looking for for holy spirit inspiration in in everything we do and we're teaching the kids that there's holy spirit inspiration in everything they do that's beautiful yeah it it it, um you said something a couple of weeks ago uh that a kingdom classroom is god-centered and it's hope-filled yeah and that we are uh, co-working with the Holy Spirit uh, to help understand the the, the, the child's heart. Um, I, there are people. I mean, I, you and I both both believe and feel that um, Jesus it, it speaks every day, right? And if we're listening, then then we're gonna we're we're, we're gonna hear uh, you. And I don't know if there's an answer for this. I know that there is a, a, a an element of Christianity that that believes that that the Holy Spirit is not speaking, 
to us uh, outside. I mean, of course, he's always speaking, you know, through through his word. But right. I, I don't. I don't know if I'm if if I'm explaining it well. You no, could... I, I I think I hear what it it is. Um, yeah, there is an element of of the church, and and I'm not trying to say I'm superior to to that element of the church. Right. But I have just had enough experiences in my life where supernatural things have happened that I know that that the supernatural is available to believers. And if Jesus, uh, if the Lord said, God says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, why would it be one, one way at one point in since Christ's death and then another way later on? And, um, I, I've been, I've been working out trying to, to write a few things here recently. And, and I was pondering the, the thought of, um, why do we base things on our own experience? Hmm. We base what God can do based on what we've experienced. Hmm. When we really need to base what God can do on what the scriptures say, what does the Bible say? And the Bible is filled with some pretty amazing things. Right. There was a guy that was talking to the, um, to somebody and had him baptized and then translated three kilometers, right? <laughs> was that, that Philip? Yeah, it was Philip. Yeah. And, he was, and the Lord told him to go talk to this Ethiopian guy who was riding in a chariot. And he rides with him for a while. They find a pond, they find a creek. He baptizes him. And then instantly he's, he's, three kilometers away. Right. Right. Okay. We read that in our Bible and we go, okay, yeah, that's, that's really nice, mm -hmm. but we don't, we don't realize the impact. What happened? What would have that happen right now, right here and now? Right. Yeah. We would, um, we would have some, some strange thoughts about it, wouldn't we? Yeah, and and I've known people and talked to people that have had incredible supernatural experiences. Most of them not in the United States. They're out in third world countries. They're out in in the jungles of Mexico or whatever else. And um, I've had I know a missionary lady that had a gun put to her head. The guy who was a, a terrorist and he pulled the trigger and it wouldn't go off. He pointed it in the sky and it went off. He pointed wow. at her head again. It wouldn't go off. He pointed it in the sky and pulled the trigger and it went off. Uh -huh. Okay, yep. that's pretty supernatural. Yeah, and she she got that guy saved. Wow. So yeah, there you know, you're right, and that's that's a little scary for for some of us to think about. It's it's almost a little scary to be sharing that in in a. It's not my safe church environment where where everybody in my church kind of thinks the same way, and and sure. I'm and I feel like I'm stepping on people's toes a little bit when when I share those stories. But yeah, I mean, we we probably have some listeners right now that are are thinking, what what are these two talking about? Uh, but but uh, you know, I had my own experience when I was I don't know nine or ten. I don't think I've talked about it here on the air. Maybe I have actually. Uh, I was about nine or 10 and I was, you know, we lived on a lake and I was swimming out, you know, with my friends, a couple of us. And uh, long story short, I, I hit my head as I was jumping off the dock. We're out kind of in the middle of the lake, you know, probably 15 feet of water. 
And when I went backwards, I hit my head, it knocked me out. And I, you know, I sunk to the bottom of the lake while my friends are out there and, and none of them saw me go down. Uh, and they're calling for me after they, after I don't come up and then they realize they need to start diving. Uh, which they, they did. And and one of my friends, you know, found me again, I, I'm nine or 10 and I've got a, a, a nine-year-old friend who swims down and gets me, pulls me to the top of the dock. They start calling for my dad. Um, you know, my dad was a, a Pentecostal pastor and he didn't mess around <laughs> and uh, he jumps in the water. He, he swims out to, to the dock and, and, and my cousin who was living with us at the time, uh, was a, a much younger and much faster swimmer than my dad. And she she beats him to the dock and I'm starting to come to. And she said, Dean, are you okay? And and I said, Kim, I, I can't move. I, I can't move from my neck down. And she starts crying and screaming, Uncle David, Dean can't move. Dean can't. And all, I'm just looking up and I'm seeing my friends just stare down at me and their eyes are huge. Uh, and, and my dad finally got to the dock. He calmed all the kids down. He calmed my cousin down. And he looked at every single one of them in the eye and he said, kids, we're, we're going to pray. And he, he just started. He put his hands on my head and my shoulders and, and my hips and my knees and went all the way down to my feet. I don't, I don't know what he said. It was just that quick. And when he was done, Don, he stood up and he didn't ask me anything. He didn't say, Dean, can you move? He didn't say, how are you feeling? He just stood up and he reached out and he took my hand and he, and he stood me up. And, and I stood up Wow! I'm looking around and my friends are just, <laughs> they have no idea what they're witnessing. And he right. said to one of my friends, you know, go get the boat. Let's, let's get him to shore. And uh, I, I almost, I think about that experience almost every day that, that I, 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 I couldn't move. And, and all, all my dad did was just put his hands on me and just, just say a prayer. Yeah, so can you imagine a school where that type of thing is celebrated right. and encouraged and right. talked about yeah. and it happens? Right. You know, it's like we we would do testimony time and when you get a little third grader comes to school and says that my grandpa was healed of cancer. You know, he had cancer and now he doesn't and he's 100% fine. Mm -hmm. Those kind of things happen all the time. And we, you know, we, we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus and how we would teach the kids to connect with God. And um, I've had kids that have had dreams where they didn't know how to do math. And Jesus came and in a dream showed them how to do math, fifth grade math. Everybody knows fifth grade math is really hard, right? And this girl had one dream. She used to have to meet with the teacher and be tutored every day at lunch because she just didn't get math. One night she has a dream and Jesus teaches her how to do the math problem. She comes back to school and tells the teacher, I don't need to meet at lunchtime because Jesus showed me how. And the teacher goes, oh yeah, we need to meet. <laughs> now we really like, no, no faith there, right? <laughs> right. And the girl totally understood math and she went from being a struggling math student to somebody who was on grade level and successful in math the rest of the year. Wow. I love that story. I absolutely love it. And you know what, on that note, uh, let's pause. I'm up against okay. the break. That's a perfect spot to do it. All right. We will pick the conversation up with Don Mayer on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Often, there are no symptoms, but left unattended, we become inundated with one health problem after another. It's time to fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar that you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. Developed by world-renowned scientists and backed by 15 years of research, Heal Right is effective, but it's also delicious and works without additional diet or lifestyle changes. Step out of the statistics and use food as medicine. Visit HealRight.com slash OutLoud or AmericaOutloud.shop and use the code OUTLOUD for 20% off. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use Cofix RX because it works. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Welcome back to the Dean's List. You are uh, listening to a conversation that um, I'm having with Don Mayer. He is a, a re retired school principal. Uh, it, it was the name of the school, Bethel Christian. Is that Bethel That's Christian right, Academy? Yeah, yeah. in uh, Redding, California. In Redding, yeah. There's a lot uh, of Bethel Christians, so oh, that's true. That's true. There is okay. Uh, he's retired, uh, but he he speaks quite often about uh, a kingdom education, and this is this is the conversation that we're having. Uh, what what does a kingdom education look like? Uh, it, it, you know, and we talk about it, Don, in, in the sense, and and we alluded to this in, in the last segment that it's you know it happens in a lot in a Christian school 
and um, homeschool settings. But, you know, we talked about public school teachers having the ability uh, to to listen to God uh, and get his direction for the, the kids in their classroom. And that kind of took us down that little rabbit hole of, of the supernatural, which, right. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed those conversations. Uh, we, we could talk all night about that, but we, we, we could, we, we could. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, I think this audience, I don't know, maybe they would uh, enjoy that. Um, you know, maybe we just have one day that we talk about the supernatural. Uh, but, I would like to ask you about the importance of, you know, again, we're talking in the context of, of kingdom education, the importance of teachers building connections with students. And again, this, this isn't just limited to a Christian school. This, you know, this is public school. This is, you know, charter school, whatever, just the, the importance of that teacher building that connection with that student. Yeah. Yeah, I when whenever whenever I'm training teachers, I always talk about the bad boss because that's kind of a beginning point. It, have you ever had a really bad boss? I have, and, yeah. And yeah, you know, I think all is. of us have. And and how how do you feel about that person? Do you right. do you want to, do you want to go to work? Do you want to do what they need? Do you right. put in extra effort? No, you're just there to get the paycheck, mm-hmm. right? But if you've ever had a really good boss. You're there early. You stay late. You don't. You don't always clock your time because it's because you guys are working on something. You're growing something. You're doing it together. So many teachers, the way that um, there, it's not as bad as it was. But like, especially when I was young, the teachers were just the bad boss. Mm-hmm. They just were telling you what to do all the time. You didn't have any freedom, and nobody wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And so that's. We would have kids don't want to go to school because it's no fun. Right. But education can be fun. We think education doesn't have to be fun, but it can be fun. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things a teacher needs to learn how to do is learn how to listen. Mm-hmm. If you have a bad boss, they probably don't ever listen to what you need. If you have a good boss, they're probably listening to your suggestions all the time. Mm-hmm. They don't always say that that's what we're doing, but they're always listening. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're dealing with kids and de- their problems, most of the time when a child's in trouble, we look at that child and we go, you did that wrong. I know it's wrong. You're going to get a punishment. That's it. You're done. Out of here. And we had to learn to, to approach things differently. Generally, when I had two kids that were in disagreement, what would happen is somebody would send a note to my office that Billy hit, hit, hit Joe and Joe's really in a lot of pain and somebody needs to punish Billy. That that's how it goes down, right? Right. Well, what I would do, I would get Billy in my office, and I'd have well, I'd have the two kids in there, and I'd usually turn to Billy and say, "Tell me what happened." Well, now, Billy's the one who 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 he's the one who hit who hit. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Why why did that happen? Mm-hmm. And I might find out that Joy hit him yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, but that never would come out and Joy got away with it. And now Billy's the one going to get the punishment. Does that feel fair? Mm-hmm. You know, so being able to listen to kids and um, put aside my prejudgments what was really, really important. Mm-hmm. And so um, staying calm, staying cool 
in in these conversations because kids will get you riled up they'll get you excited they'll mm-hmm. and you'll you'll just want them to get a punishment because they need it but but listening and and finding out what's going on and a lot of times if you can get a conversation going between the two kids about what happened what caused the problem they'll actually sort it out themselves mm-hmm. and Maybe there doesn't even need to be a punishment. Maybe there just needs to be an apology and I'm gonna and I'm gonna look after you and I'm gonna take care of you in the future. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's all that's needed. Right. So when we when we try to break school down to rules and certain number of punishments, you get so many demerits and you get this happen, it it just becomes legalistic and controlling and kids fight against it. Do you find that there is uh an an element within the school, whether it be parents or, or teachers or, or students, um, that, that there's an element that that wants more punishment that and and they look at you and they say, you know what, he's not punishing enough. Oh yeah. That 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 happens. And I've had to sit parents down and talk to them about this philosophy and how it works. And and because we're we're trying to teach kids to make decisions. We're trying to teach kids to fix their own problems. And what the when all you're doing is dishing out punishments for preset con- with preset consequences and these rules kids aren't learning anything they're not learning how to manage themselves and um they'll actually look at you and go tell me what i did wrong i'll pay the price mm-hmm. you know um when what we really want is for their heart to change right we want them to take responsibility mm-hmm. And we want them to learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. And when when all it is is just you get the punishment, it's over. You're not learning anything from your mistake. And there's no growth. No. And, and the, and the other thing that punishments really do is they they teach kids to get really good at hiding their mistakes. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which so now we're teaching the kids to to maybe be deceptive. Yeah. You know, we're certainly teaching them to not pay attention to the to the heart issues, right? Let's. Well, let's... The real problem is that, that you hurt somebody. It isn't that you broke a rule; is you right. hurt somebody. How, how that needs to hurt your heart. You need to figure out how to make that make that matter. Mm-hmm. So, so it uh, starts with listening, though. It does. Okay. Um, I, you know, th- this is something that that we uh, have tried to do at, at at my school at Waterbrook and we've tried to do it for years but I don't think we put the name uh, kingdom education to it uh yeah. well I know we didn't you know but but this has been the heart of it that this has been the mission this has been the, the foundation of what we've wanted to create uh it, it, but I I love attaching the, the name to it because th- that's the truth of it right you know you you uh said you know when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray and 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 he, and he comments um uh, you know as it is in heaven that's how it should be here right uh, that kingdom should be here and if we're looking for that uh and and I I think that it starts with um you know helping the kids uh realize their their own heart issues and and how can they work through this how you know um how can they manage how how can they 
cope. How, you know, we, we 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 want them to have the skills to to solve their own problems. Yeah. And it is important to know that there are consequences and things happen to kids that make mistakes and and it's not always this this utopian thing where somebody goes, Oh, right. I understand, I'm so sorry, and now it's fixed. There are times when when kids need need a little more um little more they need some control in their life, they need some limits, but sure. but you don't go there right away. Mm-hmm. You 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 get there through a process and steps, and you've given them like I've given you quite a few chances to fix this, and and now you've just lost your ability to have chances. Mm-hmm. You, if if we treat adults the way that we treated kids, nobody would work for anybody. It was the way we don't give kids any choices. It's true, right? We they 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 get told everything to do, and. All of us, we we want our choices, and right. I mean, it's kind of the American thing. You can't tell me what to do, you know. Right, right. it's in our nature, <laughs> but, it's in our blood. Uh, but we're telling kids all the time what to do, and and so one of the things um, that um, the loving on purpose, Danny Silk, I mentioned in the in the last video, he he talks about you have to give kids choices, and like even when you're raising your own kids, give them choices. Like, do you want to drink from a blue cup or a red cup? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter which cup they use, but they're feeling like they're having a choice in their life. Mm -hmm. And maybe they like red, so they're going to drink out of a red cup, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but giving kids choices is training them to think. Mm, Right. When we don't give them choices, we're not training them to think. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that, that's interesting that, you know, because a lot of times when people say we need to give the kids choices because then we give them some control that that they feel like they have some control in the situation. But I like your road better. I mean, I think you can go down both roads simultaneously, but, but this gives the opportunity for the child to put some thought to it. Right. That, you know, I I would even, it would even come down to, I would, try to give two consequences for for a mistake mm-hmm. you know do you do you want to um go and make a gift and write an apology card to this girl that you said the bad thing to or do you want to go in front of the class and apologize to her in public oh nice you know mm-hmm. so but it 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 gives them ownership they but it's not like oh and he says, no, I think I'll just tell her sorry and that'll be enough. You know, I said, no, I'm giving you two choices yeah. and you get to choose from one of these two. You don't get to throw in a third third alternative that that is really ducking the responsibility. So now the student has to, to, to put some thought to it. Uh, well, right. What's it going to look like if I'm apologizing to her in front of the whole class? Right. And then what does it look like if I have to really put some thought and and write something out on on, on paper? So th- there is some some mental activity happening here. Right. It's, it requires child. the kids to have some ownership in the, in the thing, too. Yeah. A lot of times punishment doesn't require ownership. Right. And this, this absolutely uh, causes ownership, which, um, you know, again, I think, it, you know, causes the child to perhaps think a little deeper about the heart issue. Right. And that's, so, that's where it comes back to. That's, that's where it becomes godly. That's, you know, God wants us to be accountable, take, take responsibility for what, what we did. Mm-hmm. 
So that that's where the kingdom principle comes in again. Well, uh, you know, we are instructed to uh, guard our hearts, for out of it are the issues of, of life, uh, and, and, I, and I think this is part of it. You know, paying attention to these hard issues that are that are coming out of us, and getting children to think about this at a very you know young age. Uh, you know, to put some thought as to what's in them. You know, Jesus said, "Out of the abundance of the heart." The mouth speaks, right? Um, you know, so these things that are that are coming out of them, things that they are saying, uh, you know, why did you say that to the little girl? Or you know, right? This this gives us that opportunity to to maybe explore some of those those hard issues. Yeah, and it's it's profound thing when you have to sit in front of somebody and say, "Well, I said she was a jerk because I was mad." It doesn't feel very good. I mean, you said it in the heat of the moment, it's no big deal, but you're saying it in front of like a teacher or maybe in front of your parents and you're having to own your mistake in front of people. It it puts a lot of weight on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I have in the past, I've had parents come in and say, all right, what's your discipline policy? And, uh, you know, I would talk about it being not black and white or, or cut and dry that we handle it on a, on a case-by-case basis. And they would say, wait, what you mean there's not a list of rules? And if child does X, then the punishment is Y? And I, I would say, no, I, I I don't have that. There's not a, a list of rules. Well, there needs to be a list of rules. Why isn't there a list of rules? What do you say to that? Yeah, it it took a lot of years. The, the really what what changed it was the was the fruit that came out of the school, the, yes. the attitude of the kids. Mm-hmm. We we only went through eighth grade, and um, there were a couple other. There was basically one other Christian high school in our town, and it was so religious. Most of the kids didn't really want to go there, and so they went into public school for the most for most of my twenty five years. Yeah. We got to the point there. There's several. Um, public Christian schools in our town. And one of them was coming to our school, trying to recruit our students to all get transfers to go into their district because our students understood who they were. Okay. Yeah. They took responsibility and they, they became leaders in the school. And when, when you look back through the history of school, I mean that we have class presidents, we have leads in the musical, we have, football team captains we have it's for a, such a small school it's pretty amazing how many of those kids stepped up into into a role of being a, a mentor and a leader to other kids so it's, so, you, but, so you, yeah. you just go to the eighth grade and then you have high schools in the community that are coming to to your school to <laughs> try to recruit the kids recruit. right and they're doing it because they recognize that there is this level of of leadership or this that's this... a level of maturity and leadership coming out of the kids that were that are raised to think yeah they're raised to, they're raised to make good choices okay. so yeah and so if they um if they're you know making these these choices in this in this um arena of of kingdom mindedness right uh, you know, where they have, you know, someone directing them to, uh, you know, l- l- listen to things that are coming out of their mouth, you know, uh, 
what's going on there what you know what's happening internally and um uh, I, I I think that that uh, that that makes the difference, right? And it and it's but it's never done out out of a, a thing of condemnation on them. It's sure. it's more done from approach. Of how are you going to fix it? Yeah, oh, this is this is really sad. This is this is that was really hurtful. What you did, man. You've you've got a pretty big mess to fix here. How are you, how are you going to do that? <laughs> I have heard you say in the past that when students came into your office and they were thinking that 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 they were going to be punished, that your mindset was, uh, "How are we going to fix it?" Right. Yeah, and that that's what I. It, it took a while to get the teachers to even understand that when you come to my office, it's it's you're coming to fix a problem, mm-hmm. and you're gonna, but you're gonna own it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be your problem to fix. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if, if it doesn't, if they, if they don't manage that, if it doesn't go there, then it does turn into consequences and punishments and, you know, but I, I would actually tell kids, you know, you're in my office and, and you think I have a lot of control. The only real control I have is I can kick you out of this school. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely the only thing I can do. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that you're going to have to sit out at recess. Okay. You'll do that, but you're not going to in your heart, you're not going to be sitting out at recess. You're going to be rejecting me and mad at me. And, you know, I, I can't control your heart. I can't control how you think mm-hmm. you can, you can lie to me when you get and, and, and hide things. But so what I need for you is to fix it. I need you to own it. Mm-hmm. I need you to take responsibility. The life skill here that, that, that the child is learning is, um, it's huge yeah that might be one of the the most profound skills i think that a child can learn how to take ownership and 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 how to fix it because they're going to use that skill forever right yeah we're we're training them to be adults and and not robots and not robots all the while giving them and filling their hearts and minds with excellent stuff. Right. Yeah. Giving them good things to think about. Yeah. They, they have a hope for their future. And there is a way to fix this. I can get out of it. Yeah. So that hope thing comes back to hope. Yeah. And that's a big deal. Right. You know, because a lot of kids don't have it. You know, and I've had to kick kids out of my school. I have. Yeah. But uh, I remember one time one of my teachers was really, really upset with me because we we expelled a student. Mm-hmm. A couple of years later, he came by and he said, you know, that was the best thing you ever could have done for me. I didn't know how good I had it until I lost it. And I realized it was my fault. So often when we punish kids, they look at you as you're the mean person. You're the one hurting me. It's your fault. But when you let kids take ownership for their mistakes and you give them chances to fix it and they fail, it it basically comes back down to them. I had an opportunity and I blew it and I lost it. And and that one boy, it changed him. And he he was uh, he turned into a great Christian young man. But he had to lose something that he he didn't realize how much he loved it until it was gone. 
And in the process, he was given one of the best lessons that's ever going to be given to him. Right. Yeah. I try to to not give a lot of examples um, personally from my own school because, you know, I, I have a lot of people there that listen. <laughs> you know, they listen and, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or, you know, I don't want to call right. anybody out. But I know who that person was. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. I did that uh, the other day. It was positive, though. You know, one of our, our third graders, this boy is a whip. He's so smart. I was just making comment on that. And then it, but I didn't call him out by name. But then I saw his mom a couple of days ago and she was saying, I was listening to you. You were talking about, about my boy. Yeah, I was, I was. Uh, but we, we, we had a situation where I had to, um, uh, you know, I had to let, let a student go. And, uh, and it was a couple of years that, that he came back to me and he said, I was so mad at you. I didn't like you, uh, you know, he, he went down the list, but, you know, it, but he, 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 he took ownership of it. And, right. and, and just like in your situation, he said, that was, that was the, you had to do that. And it was the best thing. Right. You know, so, so, so we're here and we're doing it, but uh, it, the, the, the point is that, that we, uh, that we're giving lessons to these, to these students that they're going to take with them forever. Right. I mean, it seems to me like that is that's one of the foundational elements of a kingdom education is that this isn't just fluff. You know, these kids are going to take things and they're going to have these skills and they're going to use them forever. And it's the it's the best skill that they're ever going to have. Yeah, I I used to have in, in the early years, I'd have parents, you know, we're only through eighth grade and, and kids are all going to go to public high school pretty much. And so they they would come to me like, how what age should I pull them out of your school so that I can get them ready to be in the big public school? Okay. Like sixth grade should it be fifth grade. Should it be? And honestly, what we found is staying in our little supposedly safe Christian school has been the best thing for those kids to be prepared for the big massive public school right. where the world's a mess because they, they walk into that place knowing who they are. Yes. Can you imagine if you were in high school and you knew who you were? Right. It would change things. It, it would totally change. Like we always say, we wish we could go back and redo high school because we would know who we were, right? Right, right. Yeah. But So yeah. Your, your school is in a, a, a very unique position. You know, to to send these these kids off into high school, where mine, you know, I've got them. I, you know, we 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 go through twelfth grade, so hopefully, I'm sending them off into college, right? And hopefully, they 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 know who they are going into college. But your situation is um, unique. Don, we're coming up to the uh, to the end here of this segment. How can people find you? How can we get a hold of you? Probably the best way is a new nonprofit that I formed with a couple of friends called Keys to Kingdom Education dot com. Um, it's you, it's there's a website that you can go to. There's also a YouTube channel of the same name where you can see some videos. My email address is there, or you can go directly. My email is uh, is Don the number four good at gmail dot com. And good. yeah. I have seen some of the videos there uh, on YouTube. I like them. They're they're very well done. Uh, you know, whoever you have on your team doing those uh, excellent work. 
I want to thank you for, uh, you know, just taking the time to to talk through this whole idea of, of kingdom education uh, and, and encourage people to follow you, go to your website, get involved. Uh, and again, it doesn't matter if you're in a, a Christian school, if you homeschool, if you're a public school teacher, this is wonderful, beautiful information, especially for you, you know, because as we said, you're, um, you're covert. Yeah. And this gives you uh, an opportunity to to really uh, affect change in the lives of students that otherwise they're um, they're not going to get it. Uh, thank you again, Don. We appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to uh, future conversations. And I trust you enjoyed this conversation about kingdom education. If you would like to learn more about the topic, visit Don's website, keystokingdomeducation.com. If you want to tap into other video resources he has, again, you can follow his YouTube uh, YouTube channel, Keys to Kingdom Education. Uh, again, we're grateful that uh, Don has taken the, the time to speak with us. And as always, I'm grateful that you are listening. Uh, thank you for joining us, America. That's all the time we have for today. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.